Hola, and welcome to Spanish Answers, a podcast that gives you unas yabitas claves as you unlock your Spanish language adventure. I'm your host, Sarah, with Language Answers, and today in episode 69, we'll be talking about something I've been wanting to talk about for quite a while now, and it's how do you know when to use sino or pero when you're trying to use the Spanish equivalent of our English conjunction but in Spanish? Now, we all know how to use the conjunction but in English, but, but Spanish actually differentiates between the different nuances of but with the words sino and pero. And this can be tricky for English speakers. So today we're going to do a deep dive into what these words mean and how to correctly use them. So today's episode will be a little bit longer than usual, but I hope it really helps you on your language journey. As for our cultural tip, we'll begin looking at the country of Guatemala. So let's get started. Let's begin by understanding the words sino and pero in Spanish. So in both English and Spanish, sino, pero, and but are all conjunctions that generally provide a means of contradicting the first part of a sentence. For example, in English, you might say, I wanted to eat my cake, but I was worried about gaining weight. In this instance, but connects the two phrases, I wanted to eat my cake, and I was worried about gaining weight while also telling the listener that you didn't eat the cake because you were worried about gaining weight, but without having to say all of that, as it's simply implied in that one little word, but. Yet if you stop to think about it, but is a pretty versatile word, as are its Spanish equivalents, sino and pero. You can use these words to add clarifying information, to make a correction to an assumption or statement, to provide emphasis, or to even make an exception. Sino and pero are also nouns, giving them even more versatility. So let's get into more of the nitty-gritty with each word. We'll start off with pero, P-E-R-O. Now, you generally use pero in these five ways. Number one, to contradict a positive phrase. Notice how, in the following examples, the second clause that pero connects to simply adds more information to the first clause while denoting the first clause doesn't happen or doesn't happen as often as one would expect. Quería venir, pero le tiene miedo a los perros. He wanted to come along, but he's afraid of dogs. Quería venir, pero le tiene miedo a los perros. He wanted to come along, but he's afraid of dogs. Me encanta viajar, pero no tengo dinero para hacerlo a menudo. I love to travel, but I don't have the money to do it often. Me encanta viajar, pero no tengo dinero para hacerlo a menudo. I love to travel, but I don't have the money to do it often. Number two, to contradict a negative phrase, but for different things or for things that aren't contrasting. So in our first example, the implied assumption is the stereotype that Americans love hot dogs. But even though the speaker isn't American, which is the negative phrase, right, he's not American, he still enjoys hot dogs, which is the contradiction. No soy estadounidense, pero me encantan los perritos calientes. I'm not American, but I love hot dogs. No soy estadounidense, pero me encantan los perritos calientes. 
I'm not American, but I love hot dogs. Now, in our second example, the speaker is talking about related things. It'll be two countries. But the speaker's not trying to contrast the two countries. Nunca he estado en Suiza, pero disfruté mucho de Alemania. I have never been to Switzerland, but I very much enjoyed Germany. Nunca he estado en Suiza, pero disfruté mucho de Alemania. I have never been to Switzerland, but I very much enjoyed Germany. So even though the speaker is talking about two related things, the two countries, Switzerland and Germany, you can see how he's not really contrasting them. He's just adding more information. And that's why we use pero here. But to make this sentence contrasting, it would look more like this. No fui a Suiza, sino a Alemania. I did not go to Switzerland, but to Germany. And that's why you use sino, because it's contrasting two similar things. But we'll get to that in a little bit. No fui a Suiza, sino a Alemania. I did not go to Switzerland, but to Germany. If you could substitute but for but rather in a sentence, then the word you want is going to be sino, not pero. But again, we'll get to sino in a minute. The third way that you can use pero is to add emphasis. Now, generally, you add pero at the beginning of a sentence when you do this. It can be used to highlight a negative phrase or to highlight a positive phrase, but I find that the former sounds more like protesting something and the latter more like whining, at least in English. Pero a él no le gusta el chocolate, but he doesn't like chocolate. Pero a él no le gusta el chocolate, but he doesn't like chocolate. Pero yo quería comer eso, but I wanted to eat that. Pero yo quería comer eso, but I wanted to eat that. It can also be used to highlight surprise or even other emotions. Pero como? But how? Pero como? But how? Pero que maravilloso bailarín! But what a wonderful dancer! Pero que maravilloso bailarín! But what a wonderful dancer! Number four. You can use pero in the phrase pero que muy. This is a way to really highlight adverbs or adjectives in a sentence. Ella toca el violín pero que muy bien. She plays the violin very well. Ella toca el violín pero que muy bien. She plays the violin very well. Ella toca el violoncello pero que muy mal. She plays the cello very badly. Ella toca el violoncello pero que muy mal. She plays the cello very badly. And lastly, number five, you can use pero as a noun. When it's used this way, pero can mean either a defect or it can mean an objection. For example, ella siempre encuentra perros ridículos en sus novios. She always finds ridiculous flaws in her boyfriends. Ella siempre encuentra perros ridículos en sus novios. She always finds ridiculous flaws in her boyfriends. Sin perros, haz tu tarea. No buts, do your homework. Sin perros, haz tu tarea. No buts, do your homework. You could also say, no hay perro que valga, haz tu tarea. No hay perro que valga, with a V, could be translated as, there is no worthwhile objection. But it's really better translated as the equivalent of our, 
No ifs, ands, or buts. And it also might be my new favorite phrase. No hay perro que valga. All right, so let's talk about sino, S-I-N-O. You generally use this word in the following seven ways. And remember that for all uses except as a noun, sino must come after a negative clause. So the first one is to contradict a negative phrase, because remember, the first clause cannot be positive, but it has to be for contrasting related items. So generally, when it's used this way, you could translate sino as the English phrases, but rather or but instead. No me gusta el helado de chocolate, sino el de vainilla. I don't like chocolate ice cream, but rather vanilla. No me gusta el helado de chocolate, sino el de vainilla. I don't like chocolate ice cream, but rather vanilla. No quería hacer su tarea, sino que salió a caminar. He did not want to do his homework, but instead went for a walk. No quería hacer su tarea, sino que salió a caminar. He did not want to do his homework, but instead went for a walk. Now, in the in that last example, the contrasting but similar items are the activities that the person did not want and did want to do. So if you instead have a contrast for things that are not similar, then you would use pero. Think in terms of opposites. For example, no es mala persona, pero es raro. He's not a bad person, but he is weird. It might look like that it should be sino, but really you are just adding more information to the first clause, and weird is not the opposite of bad. These items are not really similar, and that's why it's pero. You are admitting that he's not a bad person, but he is a weird person. If you wanted to use sino, you would need to say something more like no es mala persona, sino buena. He's not a bad person, but a good one. Do you see the difference? When you use sino, you are contrasting two similar items, two items that are the opposite of each other, good and bad. It's the same in this next example. No está feliz, sino triste. He's not happy, but sad. No está feliz, sino triste. He's not happy, but sad. So let's move on to number two. You can use sino to make a correction to a statement or a question. Again, the first phrase must be negative. La geología no es el estudio de formas matemáticas, sino de la tierra. Estás pensando en geometría. Geology is not the study of mathematical shapes, but of Earth. You're thinking of geometry. La geología no es el estudio de formas matemáticas, sino de la tierra. Estás pensando en geometría. Geology is not the study of mathematical shapes, but of Earth. You're thinking of geometry. Stacy hizo esto? No, ella no lo hizo, sino Robert. Did Stacy do this? No, she didn't do it, but rather Robert did. I, just a side note, I love how much simpler it is to say that last phrase in Spanish, sino Robert. That would have made tattling growing up way easier, which perhaps wouldn't have been a good thing. But anyways, Stacy hizo esto? No, ella no lo hizo, sino Robert. Did Stacy do this? No, she didn't do it, but rather Robert did. Number three, you can use sino to express an exception or to say that someone or something alone has an attribute or ability. For example, nadie me lo dijo sino Clara. No one told me but Clara. Nadie me lo dijo sino Clara. No one told me but Clara. No escucha a nadie sino a su novia. He doesn't listen to anyone but his girlfriend. 
no escucha a nadie sino a su novia. He doesn't listen to anyone but his girlfriend. Number four, you can use sino to express just or only in the sense of this quote from the Real Academia Española's online dictionary. And I quote, no te pido sino que me oigas con paciencia, unquote. Basically, I only ask that you listen to me patiently. Quote, no te pido sino que me oigas con paciencia, unquote. I only ask that you listen to me patiently. Number five. In the phrase sino que, which to me seems like it adds emphasis to your contrasting statement. And when you use this phrase, you have to add a conjugated verb to the second clause. For example, no me dieron el regalo a mí, sino que se lo dieron a Larry. They did not give the gift to me, but rather they gave it to Larry. No me dieron el regalo a mí, sino que se lo dieron a Larry. They did not give the gift to me, but rather they gave it to Larry. So you could say, no me dieron el regalo a mí, sino a Larry. But again, it gives it more emphasis. It kind of emphasizes how upset you are that they gave the gift to Larry instead of you. Sino que se lo dieron a Larry. Ellas no lo pintaron de azul, sino que lo pintaron de verde. They did not paint him blue, but instead painted him green. Ellas no lo pintaron de azul, sino que lo pintaron de verde. They did not paint him blue, but instead painted him green. Number six. In the phrase, no solo, sino que también. Which is the equivalent of our not only, but also. Interestingly, as Daniela Sanchez points out in her article on this topic, this version of sino is the more fancy, formal way of saying pero. For example, mis padres no solo limpiaron mi apartamento, sino que también me trajeron la cena. Not only did my parents clean my apartment, but they also brought me dinner. Mis padres no solo limpiaron mi apartamento, sino que también me trajeron la cena. Not only did my parents clean my apartment, but they also brought me dinner. No solo es el inteligente, sino que también es lindo y atractivo. Not only is he smart, but he's sweet and good-looking too. No solo es el inteligente, sino que también es lindo y atractivo. Not only is he smart, but he's sweet and good-looking too. And finally, number seven, you can use sino as a noun. Now, when it's used this way, sino means destiny or fate. For example, Es su sino encontrar el tesoro. El tesoro. It is his destiny to find the treasure. Es su sino encontrar el tesoro. It is his destiny to find the treasure. Aparentemente, tratar con el público será mi sino. Apparently, dealing with the public will be my fate. Aparentemente, tratar con el público será mi sino. Apparently, dealing with the public will be my fate. So just to sum this all up, there are basically two main differences between how you use sino and pero in Spanish. The first is that pero is generally used to add more information to the topic or to add emphasis. Fui al supermercado, pero no tenían leche. I went to the grocery store, but they were out of milk. Fui al supermercado, pero no tenían leche. I went to the grocery store, but they were out of milk. Pero no quiero comer mis zanahorias. But I don't want to eat my carrots. 
Pero no quiero comer mis zanahorias. But I don't want to eat my carrots. And two, sino can only be used when there is a negative clause before it, and it generally shows contradiction, and sometimes correction, for contrasting similar things. It can also show exceptions and is often the equivalent of but rather, but instead, or not only, but also. So, no soy americana, sino británica. I'm not American, but British. No soy americana, sino británica. I'm not American, but British. A ese gato no le gusta nadie sino yo. That cat doesn't like anyone but me. A ese gato no le gusta nadie sino yo. That cat doesn't like anyone but me. So I also wanted to share with you, before we wrap this up, two more fun phrases that I found at wordreference.com while researching this episode. The first is Dios aprieta pero no ahorca. Literally, this translates to God squeezes but does not strangle. It's really the equivalent of our it's always darkest before the dawn sentiment. Dios aprieta pero no ahorca. It's always darkest before the dawn. And the last is sin prisa, pero sin pausa. And again, literally, this would translate to without haste, but without pause. Yet, it's really the equivalent of our phrase slowly, but surely. Sin prisa, pero sin pausa. Slowly, but surely. And that's all for the main portion of our episode. Again, it was a little longer than normal, but I hope it's really helped to clarify for you the differences between sino and pero. And of course, if you have any questions, please send me an email at contact at languageanswers.com. And let's move on to our cultural tip. So today is the first cultural tip for Guatemala. Now, the official name is La República de Guatemala, or the Republic of Guatemala. Its size, at least according to the World Factbook, is just a bit smaller than the state of Pennsylvania, and it is located in Central America, just south of Mexico. It touches both the Atlantic Ocean and the Caribbean Sea, and it borders El Salvador, Honduras, and Belize. The government type. Well, it's a presidential republic, and the current president is President Alejandro I'm going to butcher this. I am so sorry. Kiamatai, as of January 2020. He is both head of government and the chief of state. Interestingly, both the president and the vice president are elected by popular vote for four-year terms. The legislative consists of a unicameral Congress of the Republic, the Congreso de la República, with a total of 160 seats. Of these, 128 are directly elected via multi-seat constituencies, and 32 are, and I quote the World Factbook, directly elected in a single nationwide constituency by closed party list proportional representation vote, unquote. Goodness, that sounds a bit complicated. Anyways, lastly, the judicial branch has two important courts, the Supreme Court of Justice, Corte Suprema de Justicia, which has 13 magistrates, including a president, who are elected by Congress for five-year terms, albeit the presidency changes every year, and then there's the Constitutional Court, or Corte de Constitucionalidad, which has 10 magistrates total, 5 titular and 5 substitute. Each are elected for 5-year terms. This court is interesting in that one magistrate is elected by Congress, one by the Supreme Court, one by the President, 
one by the Public University of San Carlos, and the last one by the Assembly of the College of Attorneys and Notaries. Very different. The capital city is Guatemala City, and the religion of the country, at least as of 2018, is about 41.7% Roman Catholic and 38.8% Evangelical. Now, Spanish is the country's official language, but they passed a law in 2003, the Law of National Languages, that officially recognizes 23 indigenous languages, mm, i.e., again, I apologize for butchering these, Xinca, X-I-N-C-A, Garifuna, and 21 Mayan languages. The currency is the Quetzales, or GTQ, and here's a brief history. So, the Mayans lived in Guatemala for thousands of years and controlled the area from about 250 AD to 900 AD. Then their society mysteriously collapsed and many went to Mexico. Yet the Mayans also continued in Guatemala, and it was them that the Spaniards conquered in the 16th century AD. What we now call Guatemala became a part of New Spain until South America fought for its independence in the 19th century. Guatemala was going to annex themselves to Mexico under Mexico's new ruler, Agustin de Iturbide, but he didn't last long enough, and Guatemala then joined the United Provinces of Central America, which included Honduras, El Salvador, Nicaragua, and Costa Rica, also known as the Central American Federation. Yet due to regional differences, the Federation fell apart by 1838 and became their own independent nations. This is where it gets complicated. Guatemala has had many different forms of government. Pretty soon after they were a free nation, Rafael Carrera took over as dictator. After he died in 1865, Justo Rufino Barrios took over and made many changes, such as secularizing education and allowing foreign investment, gaining the title The Reformer. He died in 1885, and Guatemala had a few other rulers until General Jorge Ubico became president, i.e. dictator, in 1931. But due to his repressive manner of ruling, Guatemalans revolted and he was forced to resign and go into exile in 1944. The next president was the country's first actually elected president, Juan José Arevalo, although he had to deal with numerous attempts to overthrow him. Then things get interesting. In 1951, Jacobo Arbenz becomes the next president and the following year requires that all unused land be redistributed to the country's poor. Unfortunately for him, a lot of this land belonged to the American United Fruit Company, the country's largest employer, and they were unhappy about the small compensation they received for losing their land. Washington actually got involved, and the CIA trained exiled Guatemalans in Honduras, who then invaded Guatemala in 1954, Arbenz fled, and Carlos Castillo Armas took over, only to be assassinated three years later. What followed over the next three decades were a string of repressive military regimes and guerrilla warfare with left-wing groups. The guerrilla war was terrible, killing hundreds of thousands of people. In 1982, the largest guerrilla groups formed the URNG, the Guatemalan National Revolutionary Unit. The peak of the violence was in the early 1980s, but in 1986, Vinicio Cerezo was elected by the people as president, and things became a little more stable. Then Álvaro Arzu took over in 1996 and was able to sign the peace accords with the URNG, thereby officially ending the war. So today, Guatemala is more stable and enjoys a democratic system.
That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to check out the show notes for links to the resources I used for this episode. If you'd prefer to read an approximate transcription of today's episode, you can also visit the episode's blog. I would love to help you on your Spanish journey, so if you have any questions about today's episode or even just on Spanish culture or grammar, you can reach me at contact at languageanswers.com or visit my website for more information at languageanswers.com. I can also be contacted regarding my services for Spanish to English translation, technical writing, editing, content creation, or even language consultations and tutoring for you or your business. Remember, learning a language is a lifelong journey. So please, aprovechalo, disfrútalo y compártelo. I'll see you in two weeks. Hasta luego!